Hello and welcome back to 10 with Zen. My name's Helen Woodward and I'm an advisor at Zen Educate. Today my guest is Juliet Alban Metcalf, CEO of The Real World Group. Welcome to 10 with Zen, Juliet. Thank you, Helen. Uh, Juliet, you're a chartered occupational psychologist and you have an MSc in positive organisation development from Case Western University. And you're also undertaking a doctorate at the moment on leading remote teams. And you're currently on the editorial committee of the International Congress on Leadership, Management and Governance. So we're really interested to talk with you today. Um, and in particular, it would be good to start with why does engaging leadership matter? What does the research actually tell us? Engaging leadership is a model of leadership that has been developed over the last 20 years. Things like the importance of empathy, the importance of concern for individuals, the importance of consulting with people, developing them, distributing power, those kinds of things. The reason why it matters today matters more than it ever did before, arguably, is because the pressure on people and organisations is, is increasing you know, rapidly. So we, we know that even before the COVID-19 pandemic, that there was a real challenge around the pace of change in the world, the fact that, you know, turbulence is much more disruptive than it ever was before, the fact that the world is much more interconnected. And so you know, geopolitics um, or, or even national politics affect organisations and, and their people in much greater ways than they used to. And of course, the pace of technological change over the last 10 years has been enormous. So it's more important than ever that leaders and organisations are proactively working in ways that help to protect people that work with them from the effects of huge turbulence and change and enable them to stay resilient and to stay well despite of all the pressures. So, for example, we know that one of the, the major um, sort of negative factors that comes out of unplanned change or, you know, uh, turbulence and uncertainty, of course, is stress and anxiety sure. among people. And we know that before COVID-19, people like the World Health Organization were talking about stress as the pandemic of the 21st century. Yeah. We also know from research that's been undertaken during the COVID-19 pandemic that people's sense of stress and pressure and mental health challenges have got worse. Being an engaging leader has always been important, as I've sort of been describing, but it's even more important now. People feel, as I said, resilient because the team has high levels of change readiness. Mm -hmm. People feel they have social support from their leader and from their colleagues. And they feel they have a sense of psychological safety because, of course, what we need is people to do things differently in a changed world. Mm -hmm. And we need to sort of co-create the future in ways that will work for the unique situation in, in one team versus another versus a different department versus a different organisation. And we also need to make sure that, you know, so if people are going to be offering their suggestions and innovating and feeling resilient, they need to feel safe to make suggestions without fear of ridicule. So there's a whole range of different things that leaders need to think about, even more than they did before, um, to ensure that their teams are able to perform and stay well. Okay. So I'm, I'm listening very carefully to what you're saying because there's a lot in there, which is really helpful. Um, and I want to kind of link two things to my next question in particular. Um, so what, what does this mean in practice for school leaders? And I'm particularly interested in, the, in two ideas that you talked about. Um, one is readiness for change. And the other one was the point about psychological safety. 
Um, and it'd be really good to hear from you how, how school leaders, what those things are and how school leaders can make sure they are very present um, in their school. In terms of readiness for change, I would say that, um, well, one of the things we need to understand about change is that there is this, there's this pervading myth that people resist change. Okay. And in actual fact, it is just a myth. People do resist change in you know when it's been handled badly and unfortunately it seems that most change isn't handled optimally in organizations so we're talking about planned change rather than unplanned change because it's important to distinguish between the two the COVID-19 pandemic is unplanned change sure first of all it's about making sure that the change is 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 run as effectively as possible and it's things like keeping people informed yeah, so, so at the moment, there's likely to still be a huge amount of uncertainty in schools about what next. What's important is that the leaders in the school, the more senior they are, are open as much as they can be about what they know and what they don't know. Okay. Because, of course, what happens during change is you know, we, we have a sense something's coming. And as human beings, we want to try to be able to predict the future. And so we imagine what we think will be next. You know, or, you know, and, and as, you know, the way our human brains work, as people who've looked at neuroscience will know, we tend to look more at threats and opportunities. So it's important then um, when, when people have a sense that change is coming, that those people in the senior roles keep them informed as to what is definitely happening, what isn't definitely happening, and what the unknowns are that even they aren't sure about yet, to avoid people making stuff up. The next thing, of course, that's really critical is to get people involved in building a shared vision of what the change will look like. So what we know from lots of research around change is that when people um, feel that they have, you know, when, when they see themselves as part of a, of, a, of a better future, whether or not they would choose to move in that direction. So it's important that people are involved in, in what a vision of success looks like. But it's also really important that they're involved in the vision of how we're going to get there too. That's just as important. Leaders need to be creating the conditions that people will be more um, committed to the organisation, more committed to their job, more committed to their leader, and then able to to deal with change as it emerges. Okay, that's that's really helpful, and I'm I'm very interested in the ideas of how uncertainty, you know, it does unsettle us, and how actually that can raise our anxiety. Uh, but actually, being able to feel we're contributing to what the future might look like can can bring that sense of efficacy and agency. Actually, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. One of the big areas where leaders can can help can unwittingly destroy people's meaning or commitment to their jobs is by not being clear about non-negotiables, not being clear about expectations, but also not being clear about you know what the parameters are for what we can do going forward and what we can't do going forward. As, as uncomfortable as that might be, leaders really need to grapple that. Yeah. Otherwise, it can make everything else come undone. Yeah, there's a point within that, there's a point of being really clear in the conversation. When are we talking about ideas and when are we moving towards commitment and agreement? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually being really clear about where, which stage of the conversation we're at and, and, and when, we're, when we're working with just ideas that we're exploring and when we're going to move towards decision making and agreement and commitment, those sorts of things. One of the, one of the things I think is very interesting is the point about are leaders, are leaders born or, or made? You know, is are there some people that are just 
innately better at leadership. Um, and if you find yourself in a leadership position that you didn't plan for, and this does happen, um, can, you know, can you learn it or what, what are the options for you? Well, uh, we feel very strongly that leaders are made rather than born. I think that, you know, there are, uh, the, the way leadership seems to emerge is, is either through role modelling or through being sort of um, shown and, and in, enabled to explore a different way than you might naturally develop as a leader. So many people have naturally had an engaging leader, somebody who cares about their employees, somebody who's interested in their opinions, someone who, you know, does all the great things I've been talking about earlier on. And so those people might naturally, you know, develop into another engaging leader. But equally, you can have somebody whose role models were either quite transactional, autocratic, or perhaps even toxic at the other extreme, you know, who might initially adopt those behaviours because they don't know any different. So, so people can go awry for various different reasons that are, you know, no fault of their own. What we see all the time is aha moments of either leadership teams or individuals who, you know, want to do, want to have a more positive impact on their people. And by reflecting on, on how they are perceived by other people in their system, you know, can really start to make a change to their behaviour. What we know is either at a cultural level, you know, if you do a leadership culture survey or at an individual level, if you sort of look at 360 data from time one to time two, you do see a shift in perceptions quite significantly over time, which, you know, which suggests that leadership can change and therefore leaders are not stuck with how they are. Okay, so there is hope for all of us, importantly. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, there definitely is, yeah, people who, who, who want to be a better leader absolutely can be. If people just gather feedback, if they just sort of have the opportunity to, you know, perhaps with the support of a coach in one way or another, to, to, to actually ask other people, how, how do you perceive my leadership what impact does it have on you what what could I do differently yeah. just those simple conversations can make a huge difference to a leader's effectiveness yeah and that that's that's the nub of it isn't it really it's you know how does how does my behavior as a leader impact on the people around me that's the kind of really crucial question which which all of us need to have really good feedback on by which I mean um specific feedback on so that we can understand where we're doing well and actually where we need to give more time and attention to, to develop. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. For our listeners, um, there are more articles on the Real World Group website and we always write a blog post following a podcast. So we will make sure that we link some of that work to make it really easy for you to find. Um, And also the kind of 360 works that I know you're you're quite passionate about, Julia. I know because you've seen the, the, the great benefit of people doing that work. Thank you so much, Julia, for being our guest today. It's been lovely to listen to you and talk with you today. Pleasure, Helen. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, thank you to our listeners as well for joining us today on 10 with Zen and I hope you have a good rest of your day. 10 with Zen is brought to you by Zen Educate. Zen Educate's online platform puts you in control of supply and recruitment. They've saved UK schools over £3 million by allowing you to connect with teachers and TAs directly. To receive 50% off your first short-term booking or long-term role, just DM us on Twitter at Zen Educate and quote 10 with Zen. Thanks for listening.